Shalom, Meshpocha. This is Sid Roth. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with a very supernatural guest. And now, here's your host for this program. It's supernatural television producer, Donna Chavez. Thank you, Sid. I'm Donna Chavez, and I'm very excited that you've all joined us today. Our guest teaches aspects of the death and resurrection of Jesus like no one else I've heard. He says that as believers, we are forever united together with Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus died, we died with him. And when Jesus rose, we rose with him. Therefore, now get this, we are now the living headquarters of the Trinity on earth. Well, I, th I, I think that's pretty exciting. So our, our guest today ministers all over the world. He and his lovely wife, Kate, are the senior leaders of Catch the Fire Church in North Carolina. He and Kate are also the presidents of Catch the Fire World, which was birthed out of a little revival. I don't know. You may have heard it. <laughs> the Toronto Revival. Please welcome revivalist and author Duncan Smith. Hi, Duncan. Oh, hello, Donna. Thank you so much for that warm introduction. <laughs> and I just couldn't help chuckling because, you know, uh, what a privilege it's been for Kate and I yes. to serve John and Carol, um, who, you know, the Holy Spirit chose way back in January the 20th, 1994, to just sovereignly fall upon them. Mm. and then dwell with them and, you know, continue to just move in such amazing power that the rest is history. And, of course, 12 years of nightly meetings with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And so what a joy and an honor. And just listening to you say that, <laughs> I, just, I still pinch myself and think, wow. I know that you served with them for many years, and uh, that was actually the beginning of where you are now, which is the presidents with your wife, Kate, of Catch the Fire World. What, what is Catch the Fire World, and uh, what do you do there, Duncan? Well, Catch the Fire World is the, the now global movement of, of the Toronto revival uh, that was birthed in, in Toronto. And, you know, in the beginning... Uh, as I mentioned, 12 years of a 1,000 people every single night wow. uh, as an average. You know, the manifestations of the Spirit were just extraordinary, and the miracles and the signs and wonders and so on. But what happened was, you know, in the beginning, the first 10 years or so was very much the gathering phase in the revival where, where God allowed the nations to come to us in Toronto. Um, but then... Uh, Somewhere, the Lord just, it's as though he flicked a switch. And in, in a way, it came sort of like something of a of a, a persecution in that we had 9-11 happen and people stopped flying on airplanes literally overnight, September 9-11, um, 2001. And then, and then not shortly after that, SARS in January 2003, and Toronto was the epicenter of SARS. And, and as a result of that, suddenly, almost overnight, 
people stopped traveling and they and the crowds became less and that's when the holy spirit birthed catch the fire world and he turned us inside out and he scattered us around the world mm. planting churches that were full of this revival and you know effectively were like dwelling places of god's presence and that's what we've been doing and now we're over 150 churches all around the world and and that's the movement that was birthed in that time. Yes. So is the Toronto revival, but it's just a fresh expression now all over the world. And yes. that's what John and Carol made us the presidents last year and their successors. So that's that. I want to know, because, you know, I know, oh, and this is known worldwide, yeah. you know, internationally. I want to know where you started. Were you raised in a Christian home? And and tell us about that and how you actually came to give your heart wholly to the Lord. Yes. Well, my mom and dad were missionaries in Nigeria for 20 years. And they were evangelicals from a very, my father was from a very strict um, background, uh, strict Baptist, similar to brethren, closed communion table. Um, But he became a radical by just becoming an evangelical, you know. (laughs) <laughs> but they were non-charismatic, and, uh, you know, it was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. Um, and uh, we didn't really know about the Holy Spirit growing up. But my mom and dad really instilled in me what I'm so grateful to them for was just a love for the Word of God and a love for Jesus yes. and so on. But when I was a teenager, I I allowed all the pain of being sent to boarding school when I was five and 13 years of boarding school. My parents sent me to boarding school in England, even though they stayed in Nigeria, and I flew back every vacation. But it created this love deficit in my heart, and I I allowed the enemy to sow his lies, and I believed a bunch of lies about being rejected and abandoned and so on. And my response to that was rebellion, rebellion against all that I knew to be right, my parents, And I was a hedonist, basically, just living for pleasure, you know, um, smoking far too many cigarettes as a teenager, you know, getting drunk and um, Mm. uh, just living that kind of wrong lifestyle that I just knew was not the Lord. And but in God's grace, while when I was 20 years old, uh, I was at a meeting in Colorado that I had kind of been tricked into going into oh. by my girlfriend and her family who had been missionaries in Nigeria and I was visiting them. And they got me to go into this meeting and I heard the gospel being preached. And I had just had a dream not many days earlier that I had that I was stuck in hell and it was very, very real. And of course, I know now looking back that the Lord was really after my heart. Mm. And I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ preached and an invitation to go forward And everybody went forward except me. I shot out the side door. And I just went stumbling up this mountain path in Colorado at Estes Park. And Donna, as I was walking up this hill, not knowing where I was even going, I just kind of needed to get fresh air, you know. I walked, I could only describe that I walked right into the presence of God. I knew I was standing before Jesus, and I stopped in the pathway. And I felt like if I go one step further, I'm going to die. And I was instantly filled with conviction of my sin, my rebellion, and everything. And yet, simultaneously, I felt his extraordinary love 
an invitation to me to surrender my heart fully and finally to him and become a born-again believer. And I fell to the ground weeping, confessing my sin and inviting Jesus into my heart. And I said to him, Lord, I can't deny that I haven't had fun in that sense, in my rebellion, um, you know, sort of on the adventure. And I don't want to be a boring Christian, but I said to the Lord, Lord, I want an adventurous life with you to the max. Whatever I, how, you know, whatever the, the maximum is that I can experience with you, I desire that. And I wept my way into the kingdom. And, you know, the Lord brought me into his kingdom with me weeping. And I got up off that floor, Donna, and I was a completely transformed human being. Yes. Born again, born of the Spirit. My girlfriend didn't recognize me. She'd been praying for me to become a Christian, but not that much of a Christian. <laughs> and so she ended with me. And, um, you know, that that was how I came to know Jesus. There was a lot of rules and regulations, and it was pretty strict right. on you. And that's what you, yeah. it wasn't necessarily the Lord, but you were kind of feeling confined and you were yes. rebelling against all these rules and restrictions. You go the other direction, but yet you still yeah. had that foundation in you. And when you entered that church that day and you heard that message, yeah. it yes. just all came flooding back. And I'm wondering, oh, absolutely. I, I'm wondering, Duncan, if there are people out there that have had a seed planted even from when they were young that might be going the other direction right now. Will you pray yeah. for them that they would have an encounter? Yes. Father, I thank you so much for your amazing love. I thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who paid the price in yes. full at the cross yes. so that we don't have to clean ourselves up to come to find you, but you come rushing to us and you find us in the state that we're in. And I'm asking you, Lord, just as you came and found me in the midst of my rebellion and my mess and my sinful ways that I just knew were wrong, but I just didn't know how to come out. And I knew I just didn't want religion and churchianity. I wanted a genuine relationship with you, but I didn't know how to find it. Lord, I know that Donna's right, that there are those that are listening right now who really have a deep and genuine hunger for you, and they know that your love is reaching out for them now. Lord, I'm asking you right now, would you give them an encounter yes. with your son, Jesus Christ, right now through the Holy Spirit? and bring them to a place of deep conviction of sin, and yet at the same time, baptize them in your glorious, wonderful, liquid, golden honey love, your great Father's heart, yes. and bring them home into your heart. And let them be born again, born of the Spirit, and have that true relationship and excitement that lies ahead of them of an amazing life that you've planned for them in Christ Jesus. In your yes. name I pray. Yes. Amen. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Okay, Duncan, I cannot let this slip by. Okay. <laughs> you had an encounter face-to-face -face yep. with the presence of God, and you yep. felt it, and you knew it was him, and you cried yep. out to him, and he gloriously, gloriously took you back, and you're, you're in yep. that fold, and you had... You had the nerve to say, look now, Jesus, you know, I, I was really enjoying my life before I came back to you. I, I still want to have a fun, exciting life. Well, yeah. Duncan, so what did he promise you? <laughs> he said to me, oh, yes, don't you worry, son. 
I've got a very exciting plan ahead of you. And, you know, I was 20 years old, Donna, and now I've been to almost 80 nations bringing the good news of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord's answered that prayer Mm. in not in a way that I necessarily could have ever understood at that time or even have been smart enough to say, Lord, this is what I mean to define what that looked like. But he knew, and it was a life that, you know, full of miracles and signs and wonders and amazing encounters with him and 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 having the privilege of watching just countless hundreds and even thousands of people have amazing encounters with God's transforming presence. And, you know, Oh, wow. I mean, over and over. It's just, I mean, we've seen the Lord open people's blind eyes. Uh, I've I've had the privilege of uh, laying hands on five people that were deaf and mute, um, and, and the Lord's loosed their tongues and yes. given them perfect hearing, and on and on and on and on and on, and just so many exciting adventures yes. that my wife and I have had the privilege. And not, not to mention an amazing marriage of 30 years that I've been so privileged the Lord gave me an amazing wife and three amazing children and now three grandchildren. And I just I just want to say, Lord, thank you so much. You answered that prayer. So life with him, totally, yeah. t- totally sold out. It's pretty yeah. exciting, isn't it? <laughs> pretty, absolutely exciting. And, and I, yeah. I love this that you said, okay, you know, people were praying for me and my previous church was praying for me. Yeah, they really wanted yeah. me to get saved, but, but yeah. not that saved. <laughs> you totally went head uh, on full yeah. force for Jesus yeah. and for the power yeah. of the Holy Spirit. So yeah. you're young, you're in your early 20s, yeah. and so you want to know more and you start yeah. going to the, the Christian Union and That's right, a university. Exactly. What did you find there? I bumped into people in my very first week who invited me to the Christian Union. They were my age. They were cool. They were dressed in trendy clothes. They, they didn't look like the kind of typical missionaries that I'd grew, grown up with. They looked like, like my friends that weren't saved. It's just that they had a big difference. Their eyes were on fire. They were full of Jesus. And not only that, they had even more fire than I had. And I said to them, guys, what is it about? You are so on fire for Jesus. I thought I was, but you are so on fire. And they, 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 I remember them just looking at each other and smiling and turning back to me and saying, oh, it, it, it's the Holy Spirit. We've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, the Holy who? The you what? mean the dove? <laughs> like, What? How? How? Tell me. You know. And so they told me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they're like, "Duncan, you've been baptized into Jesus, but you need to be baptized into the Holy Spirit." And they they taught me about Jesus telling the disciples that wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. And they explained to me. And you know, Donna, I went into the secret place. I said, "How do I? How do I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I want that." And they said. That's something that you do in two ways. You go into the secret place, and also you go forward every time somebody gives an invitation for that to happen. And, you know, I I did that for nine months. It took nine months, sometimes praying up to three hours a day, asking for the Lord, pleading with him for that encounter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And one day, nine months later, I was at church, and a Ugandan pastor was the guest speaker. And... 
he preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was the first person to respond to the altar call. I shot down to the front like a lightning rod. And I stood there in front of me and he said, what would you like, son? And I said, oh, pastor, I would like to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He laid his hands on me and the glory of God came upon me. And erupting from inside up and out, I suddenly found myself just speaking out the praises of God. I was just so excited. I didn't know how to I couldn't tell Jesus enough how excited and grateful I was, except I didn't realize I was speaking in a brand new language that I had no idea I was speaking at first. You know, I just thought I was speaking in English and then suddenly realized, this is, this is, you know. <laughs> and I was just couldn't stop. And I, I got onto my motorcycle. I rode home. I was speaking in tongues. I just couldn't stop. And on and on and on for hours. It was amazing. So the very next time that you had an opportunity to go to church and to receive other instruction and and teaching and learning about this Holy Spirit baptism, you went actually just a few days later and and had another encounter. You see, you just want more. It's like Jesus said, come to me, all you are thirsty and drink. And, you know, and yet at the same time, the more makes you want more. It's just, he's just so, he's so beautiful and he's so lovely. And so the following Wednesday, that was a Sunday, the following Wednesday night, again at the Christian Union this time, and a 27-year-old, and I can remember his age because that seemed incredibly old when I was 20. <laughs> <laughs> he was the guest speaker. He came from London, and he was moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. And now this is 1989. Yes, summer of 1989. And he, he preached on the Holy Spirit, and he got us all to stand up. And he said, put your hands in the air if you would like the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Well, of course, up went my arms. And my first thought was, oh, here we go again, another oak tree experience where Duncan Smith's The Last Man Standing, you know, all my friends, are just I could already hear them starting to fall left, right, and center, cr- chairs crashing into chairs. And, you know, we were about 300 people, and we were in revival at that time. There was amazing manifestations of the Spirit, many, many manifestations similar to what happened later in Toronto in the 90s. And... We were in our early touch of that, and that Christian Union was was very impacted by John Wimber's teaching and many other revivalists at the time. Well, as I stood there with my hands up in the air, thinking, oh, I'm going to have to resort to my newfound gift of tongues, you know. <laughs> uh, but I, I just re- resisted that because I just so genuinely wanted to feel more and feel the Holy Spirit. Just as I was thinking, uh-oh, here we go again. I'm going to go home disappointed. Suddenly, I felt this tingling in my fingertips like electricity. And it went down into my hands and down into my arms and then came up from my feet and then into the center of my being. And it was like this swirling and intensity, like I just can't describe it. And I had been saying to the Lord during those nine months of prayer, Lord, I want to be a friend of of yours. I want to walk with you like Enoch walked with you. And I just want to walk with you so closely that, like Enoch, you just took him because he obtained the the testimony that he was pleasing to you and became was not. Lord, if if you want 
me, take me and let me be like Enoch and be was not. Well, in that moment, I had that fleeting thought. It suddenly came back to me. Oh, my goodness, this is the moment the Lord's answering that prayer. And I'm about to be was not. (laughs) And just as I'm thinking that, the Lord just intensified his glory and his power and his presence in me so much so that I thought, Lord, if you come with, and by this time my breathing had gone literally to a place of being almost out of control, and I couldn't hardly stand up, and I, I felt literally like I had so many millions of volts of electricity going through me that if one more, if he comes with one more volt, I'm going to die. I'm going into the, I'm going to slip through to the other side into the glory realm. And I just started screaming at the top of my lungs because I suddenly, I wanted to get married. I wanted to have children. I wanted to <laughs> <laughs> you weren't ready to be a was-not. <laughs> yes, I wasn't ready to be was-not. And I just said, I started screaming, stop, Lord, stop, please, please. And I was just yelling at the top. Of my, at the same time, the power was so great, I went careering sideways to my right, landing on the floor in a heap. And with this extraordinary power. And and then I could just vaguely hear um, around me, my friends coming rushing over to me, you know, wondering what on earth happened to Duncan. And I could hear, hear them, come out of him in the name of Jesus. Come out, come out of him in the name of Jesus. And I'm thinking to myself, guys, wrong spirit. This is God. <laughs> you know, but of course it was, you know, it, it was just crazy. They didn't know what was happening. None of us did. It was so raw, so beautiful. Well, was that the first time that you felt what you called the fire of God, that power Ooh. that was like a fire? Oh, yes. Sorry, I'm just getting hit again, just thinking about it. Yes, exactly, Donna. That is what I would describe as the fire of God. You see, in, in Luke 3.16, John the Baptist says, uh, I baptize you with water, but one is coming after me whose very sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And, and fire. then he says, yeah. and with fire. Wow. Yes. Yes. Well, with these type of encounters happening to you and you were seeking the Lord with all of your heart and the glory and the Holy Spirit, I know you were probably learning all kinds of things and, and just, just wanting to be taught so much. The Holy Spirit took you on a journey and showed you a key to miracles. Yeah. The Lord showed me that the key to a supernatural life of miracles is oneness with Jesus. Somewhere in the mid-2000s, we were, by this time, had been invited by John and Carol. We were among the the crowds that went to Toronto, and the Holy Spirit had spoken to John Arnott and said to him when he saw me, that's the tall Englishman that I told you would be your first executive director, which was amazing. And so he came up to me and invited me to, to meet with him. And uh, he invited me to join the team. And Kate and I, at that time, we were in England. We are English, you know, and we were living our lives in England. And he invited us to move to Toronto. And, of course, it didn't, we didn't even need to pray. We didn't need to fast for one minute. We knew. <laughs> this is the Lord. And... Uh, we had come over to Toronto, and within a few months, John, just within three months, John, actually, uh, having given me a few things to do, he made me the executive director. And so I really began to 
understand the heart of this revival, that, that this, this revival wasn't just a revival of power. It was a revival of love. And so I had had an amazing encounter with the Father's love, which is a whole other story. And it had just so deeply and profoundly secured my heart and that search for significance and those orphan tendencies that even though I had, was born again and was full of the Holy Spirit, there was still this longing for significance. And I was, without realizing it, I was using the Holy Spirit and his power and miracles and what I knew to, I don't know, to somehow satisfy that search for significance and become yes. a, you know, known for being a person who flows in the anointing or, or whatever, so that everybody could know Jesus. I mean, could know me. I mean, really Jesus, you know? And so <laughs> I was very muddled up. And, but the Lord began to heal my heart. And as I began to really dig deep into that. I began a journey into discovering the revelation that actually the great gift of the Father in giving us his Son is not just that we have eternal life forever that we're going to heaven, but that eternal life is Christ Jesus. And the reason we get to go to heaven with him is because the Father's great plan was that his Son, the Son of God, would become the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God yes. in him and that we could be united with him because he united himself with us in his in our sin and death we can be united with him in his resurrection yes and that is what you call and you teach oneness that's it oneness yes. exactly you said there was a moment when you were encountering the holy spirit in toronto and you were shown in the book of numbers about the bronze serpent Yes, absolutely. I was about to preach at a healing meeting. And of course, the whole story of the bronze serpent in the wilderness is in the context of healing, because the ancient Israelites, it's, it's right there in Numbers 21, 5 to 9. Uh, and, and it was Jesus referring to it in John three fourteen, where he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so too, when the Son of Man is lifted up, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. The fact that Jesus had mentioned it it just, I felt like there was something in it. And I've been studying all day the bronze serpent, hoping to, to put together a message for this healing meeting. And as I was lying on the floor in Toronto uh, during the worship, um, I guess I was in a place of prayer and didn't realize that the gentleman that was visiting our church in the second row just behind me could hear my prayers. And he heard me yell out, Lord, because I realized I'd forgotten to ask him, what is bronze anyway? Because Moses made a serpent of bronze. Yes. The Lord told him to make a fiery serpent and put it on a pole, and everyone who was bitten by the snake would live. And sure enough, he made a serpent of bronze, put it on a pole, and everybody who was bitten by a snake, if they would just look at the snake on the pole, they would live. And of course, I knew, wow, what a powerful sort of foretaste pointing to the cross. But I just felt there was something deeper that I'd been missing. And I suddenly wondered, is it the bronze? And I yelled out loudly, Lord, what is bronze anyway? Well, this man just happened to be visiting our church in the revival. He was a metallurgist, a scientist. And he said very loudly in a booming voice, bronze is an alloy of two distinct metals, tin and copper. 
melted together in fire, <laughs> become one brand new metal bronze, I went ballistic. <laughs> As I suddenly realized that was the moment when the Son of God, who became the Son of Man, united with all of us, when he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21, that it was in that moment in the fire of the cross, as the Lamb of God himself was roasted alive, that in that furnace, the tin and the copper, the, the Son of God and all the sons of men, all of us became united in him. So much so that when Jesus said, it is finished, it was impossible for the Father to raise Jesus from the dead without raising each of us from the dead with him that believe in him. And sure enough, I found out later that if you take bronze, there's nothing, no chemical, biological, or physical thing that you could ever do to bronze to return bronze back to its original constituent metals of tin and copper. Let me ask you this question. So when we get this revelation of being one with him, if we are one with Jesus, then yeah. what's the best way that we can reveal him to the world? Yes, that's so good, Donna. You know, the best way to reveal Jesus is through the demonstration of the Spirit's power in us doing miracles, signs, and wonders. So often the church, it's like we model ourselves on the ministry of John the Baptist, like we're, you know, pointing out the sins of the world, pointing them to Jesus. But Jesus is actually our model, not John the Baptist. And Jesus came to reveal the Father. And he said in John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, so now I send you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I think the answer to your question, Donna, is that when we realize and recognize each believer that we are one with Christ, that we are one with, another, with one another, that we're immersed in the Trinity, that we're one with the Father, that the Father himself lives in us by the Holy Spirit, and that we can carry the anointing of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and the fire of God and live a life where we're literally, you know, consumed with holy fire, we don't point people to Jesus. We are the ministry of Jesus revealed to the world as he does what only he can do and the Father does his works in us the signs, the wonders, the miracles, and that this, this precious Jesus is the God of miracles who wants to open their blind eyes, who wants to, you know, heal them after, you know, after they've had multiple miscarriages, who can heal the wounds and who can, you know, heal people's lives and reorient their identities and heal their broken hearts and on and on and on. And ultimately, not just save us from eternity, in hell, but bring us into, which he does, but bring us into an eternal relationship with God as our daddy. Yes. And, and, the, and that the, the Holy Spirit is the very relationship that the Father and the Son have had for all of eternity. We get that relationship himself, the Holy Spirit, given to us as a perfect gift. Yes. Yes. So let me take just a moment here. You're listening to Messianic Vision with our very special guest today, Duncan Smith. Now, Duncan has prepared a very powerful resource package for you. It's his new book, Consumed with Holy Fire, Heaven's Blueprint, 
for a miraculous lifestyle. Also, he has developed a brand new and exclusive two CD audio teaching series called A New Paradigm for Miracles. You'll also get a powerful message called The Fire Increases. So I can't wait for you to hear that. So be sure to listen for Sid at the end of the program to find out how you can get this amazing resource for your home, for your small group, uh, for your church library, and uh, you'll be so glad that you did. So, Duncan, that sounds like a new paradigm that you're talking Mm. about there, about with Jesus ministry and John the Baptist ministry. For those that might not know, and I I have to admit, I actually looked this up, what is a paradigm? Well, I... A paradigm, according to the dictionary, is a standard, a perspective, a set of ideas, a way of looking at something. It changes how you think about something. John the Baptist was a light, whereas he called himself, he said, I am the light of the world. John the Baptist, he said he was a light. And, you know, I think that the the, the, the interesting thing is, is that when the church spends its time pointing, trying to point to Jesus, trying to tell the world to convince the world of our theology and our correctness and our right doctrine. And it's very dry. It's like a wilderness. And very often, it's like one, a voice of one. You know, many, many times our churches are set up with a one-man ministry or a one-woman ministry. It's all very you know, platform-led and so on. And the other thing about John the Baptist is that there's not a single record of G- of John the Baptist doing a miracle, Donna. Oh. John the Baptist's ministry was not—there's no miracles. Yes, he baptized multitudes of people for their sins to be cleansed. But Jesus came, and he revealed the Father— and he did it through signs, wonders, and miracles. Yes. Through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And those signs and wonders and miracles were the testimony of the Father's love and the Father's goodness for the world that he sent his son to come and save. Yes, yes. So the paradigm is not just going to church, but right. you're talking about being the church. Exactly. Being the body of Christ. Think about that the body of Christ. And when Christ was on the earth, in his body, his physical manness, body, flesh, he lived out his life, those three years in ministry, doing the most extraordinary signs and wonders because God anointed him, according to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good and healing all those who are oppressed by the devil. Yes. If the church could understand that we're the body of Christ, we're united with Christ, we're the living, breathing, walking, talking body of Christ on the earth, anointed by the Holy Spirit to do signs, wonders, and miracles to set the captives free. Yes, yes. Is that what you mean when you say, if we can get this revelation, then we'll realize that we are actually the living headquarters of the Trinity right here on Earth. Exactly. Exactly. Wow, that's, that, oh, that's a strong line. <laughs> Imagine if people could understand that the mission is not trying to go to heaven by going to church. 
the mission is we are the church. We're already in heaven, seated with Christ in heavenly places. And our mission is actually to go to the world that we're also terrified of yes. and go to that world and be the light of the world and go in the power of the Spirit, bringing the love of the Father and the Son to a broken, hurting world that are desperate to get out of sin, but they just don't know how to. Amen. Amen. <laughs> what do you mean, Duncan, when you say there's there's privilege, the privilege in this new paradigm of realizing and getting this revelation? Well, I think that to be sons of, for God to consider us sons of God in equal measure to his son, Jesus Christ, because of just us believing in Jesus, that we can wield the same power that Jesus wielded. And according to Jesus's prayer, uh, Jesus's statement, just before he went to the cross in John fourteen twelve, truly, truly, I say to you, not only will he who believes in me, not only will he do the things that I do, but even greater works that I do because I go to the Father. Will they do in my name because I go to the Father? To me, that is the greatest privilege, to be able as sons of God, of sons of God to manifest Jesus, you know, wherever we go, as we live our lives from that place of oneness. You know, what a privilege. Yes, yes. Well, Duncan, you are talking about signs, wonders, miracles, things that are happening because now we are getting this revelation and, and you're being the church, not just going to church, but being the church. I really wanted to tell the folks that are listening some of the things that you have experienced and some of these encounters when you're living in this new paradigm. Let's start with this. What about the floods in Australia? Oh, that well, this was just amazing. You know, I'm not known as some kind of prophet who goes around the nations, you know, telling floods when they stop and start, et cetera, et cetera. But this is the reality that each of us in our union with Christ, we're not, we don't have to sort of emulate trying to be some great prophet, or therefore we don't have to shy away from being some great prophet, if you get my drift. We just have to be obedient to what the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit dwelling in us spontaneously asks us to do. And for me, that was in Australia, um, you know, a few years ago, I arrived, they'd been in intense drought. Uh, for nine years at that time, officially. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, tonight when you minister at this church in front of many, many leaders that have come from all over Australia, that's the context, he said, I want you to announce that the flood, that there will be a flood, a massive, massive thunderstorm on Friday, on the coming Friday, we were going to do a, a, uh, a leadership uh, conference between Monday and Friday Yes. to give the context. And the Lord said, I want you to announce tonight, Sunday night, that there will be a massive flood as the conference ends, a massive storm that will result in floods, that will result in floods all over Australia. It will hit the national news and, it will, and they will declare that the drought is over. And I want you to make that announcement to tell the church, get ready I'm about to flood Australia with my glory. Ooh. And I said, no, no, Lord, <laughs> I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I can't. It's been nine years. <laughs> yes. And this will, yeah, I'm not even known for that, you know, and this will be that moment where finally we can prove that the Toronto guys are a bunch of heretics, you know, because that didn't happen, you know, that sort of thinking. And, of course, I know enough to know when the Holy Spirit says what he asks you to do. 
he just doesn't give up until you say yes. Yes. He's so kind. And of course, I said yes. I surrendered. I said, okay, Lord, I'll do. I delivered that word. People looked at me as if, many of them with pity, you know, poor guy. He's just like, this is going to be a disaster. (laughs) But you know something, Donna, we finished at six o'clock Friday night at the 4.30 tea break. There was just these gigantic, gigantic dark rain clouds. By six o'clock, as the meetings finished, torrential rain hit us. That rain went on all night, and I learned a big lesson in that moment. Yes, yes. And and what about this one, one that you call one of the most amazing miracles you have ever experienced? Yes, I think you must be probably referring to in Kyrgyzstan, the... You know, for me, that that was the moment when the Lord used me to heal the first deaf and mute person. And that, that was just an extraordinary moment. Um, you know, I had, been, uh, I, I had been ministering. I came off the platform. We were um, sort of, you know, um, ministering to people in the crowd as a team. I had been preaching. I came to this one lady as I turned around. And she pointed at her ears, and she pointed at her tongue, and shook her head. And I understand. And, and, and so I asked my interpreter what was going on. And her, she was there with her mother, who was, you know, a babushka, a sort of um, a, a Russian grandmother, and her 16-year-old daughter. And after they told me she's deaf and mute. After ministering to her, commanding that deaf spirit to come out and the mute spirit to come out, nothing happened. No change. And I just kept going. The seventh time, and by this time, everybody around, all of our faith was in our boots. You know, it was awful. And I was just about to say to her, my standard line, if, you know, if a person's not healed, please, this isn't your fault. Let's put this down to the fact that I'm still learning. And I'll take this one. And I was just about to say that. And I had one more go. And suddenly... Her whole face lit right up. She pointed to her right ear and pointed up in the air. And then she pointed to the left ear and pointed downwards. So I immediately understood she was telling me, my right ear I can hear through, my left ear I can't. So we ministered to the left ear, commanded the left ear to open. She got so excited, pointed up, the left ear's open. And then she pointed to her tongue and shook her head. And I realized, you know, she was saying, I can't speak. Just in that moment, the Holy Spirit said, spit on her tongue. Well, I thought to myself, Lord, wow. how in the world do I, how do I do that? I might miss and hit her in the eye, and she's not blind, but she might be after that. And I was, I was furiously trying to remember how Jesus did it, and I remembered that he, he put it onto his fingers. He spat on his fingers and touched that man's tongue, and I touched her tongue, and she instantly took off speaking in fluent Russian. It was an extraordinary moment. Wow. You know, as you tell that story, I have to say, oh, my goodness, what would I do if the, the, the Holy Spirit wanted me to do something that was so out of my comfort zone? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's exactly right, and that's what he loves to do, because when we're out of our comfort zone, that's when faith takes over. Because impossibility is the only place that Jesus truly shines. That's why... That's why we preach so many sermons in our churches. That's why we worship. That's why we pray, because we can do all of those things. Yes. But when it comes to miracles, that's only Jesus who can do the miracles. And so, you know, 
it, we have to learn, Donna. And I was terrified, you know. And thank you for saying that because I think that's how we all are. Well, we're talking with Duncan Smith, author of Consumed with Holy Fire, Heaven's Blueprint for a Miraculous Lifestyle. Sid and I want to encourage you to get this resource package today. It's Duncan's new book, Consumed with Holy Fire, Heaven's Blueprint for a Miraculous Lifestyle, and his brand new and exclusive two-CD audio teaching series called A New Paradigm for Miracles. Now, Duncan has also included a special message for you called The Fire Increases. The miracles and the teaching in these resources have literally changed Duncan's life, but we believe that they'll also do the same for you, so don't miss it. Okay, Duncan, listen, I we need to spend some time talking about what you call the form of the Holy Spirit, the fiery mm. one. I mean, you've, mm. ri- you've written this book. This is consumed with holy fire. I know there was a time where you spent time wondering, does the Holy Spirit have a form? What, what did you learn? Yes, I, it all started when John and Carol invited me up onto the platform one day, one Sunday, and they wanted to anoint me and release me to carry the fire of God to the nations. And I'd already been doing that, but I somehow the Holy Spirit just put it on their hearts to anoint me to do that in a special way. And they invited me up on the platform. They both laid hands on me. I went, I was just totally overwhelmed by the power of God instantly and went flying backwards. And, you know, I was lovingly caught by somebody, I guess, to catch <laughs> me. And But I landed on the floor and... As I lay there, instantly I was in a vision, and, and I saw this, this African plain uh, with no, no trees, just savanna. And suddenly, to my right, I saw the figure of a human being on the far horizon. And in the instant I saw them, they shot right up into my presence, right up to my face within a few feet away. And this person was what I can only describe as a most fiery figure, like a like a man of fire, like you know, like his from his waist downwards it was like fire, but upwards was like was like liquid molten metal somehow, yet full of flames and oh, I mean, terrifying. And he, but he, but his face, shimmering as it was, he smiled at me, and then he reached out both of his hands and touched me on my chest. It was like I was standing in front of him. And Donna, he lit me. And in the natural, in Toronto, on the platform, I just remember going ballistic, my legs going, vibrating up and down, my whole body, my whole being was just vibrating on there for a long time, shaking on the platform. But it, it from that, I was instantaneously uh, like hot and like boiling hot, it felt like. And for many, many months, I'd like to say a year later, I don't know, I don't want to exaggerate, but but for many months, my literal physical body felt like I was on fire. My wife would have to sort of, you know, push me off to the side of the bed and ask me to take the covers back because I was just so burning hot. Everywhere I would go, people, if they touched me, would describe me as if I was on fire. And... I just needed to know the answer. What in the world happened to me? And also while I was preaching, people would start having 
these encounters where they themselves would come flying out of chairs and start rolling around on the floor like they were trying to put the fire out. Yes. Some of them screaming, which can be quite disturbing, you know, when you're in a, a meeting just preaching the gospel. And, um, and so I just needed to know answers. And I was reading in Ezekiel chapter 8, and in Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 2 and 3, Ezekiel has an encounter, and it describes the, the, this. Ezekiel says, a fiery man, or by Hebrew revocalization, a man of fire appeared to him. And from his waist downwards, what appeared to be his waist downwards was the appearance of fire. From his waist upwards was the appearance of of electrum, it says, which is in, in Hebrew, which is an alloy of gold and silver. Yes. And yet burning with fire. And it says that he reached out the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my hair. And, and then it says the spirit lifted me between earth and heaven. And I realized the Holy Spirit has form. Just like Jesus said, the Father has form. He says to the Pharisees, you've never seen his form nor, be, nor heard his voice. And we know that Jesus, of course, uh, is forever now in his eternal body, which, you know, is in fiery terms in Revelation 1. And so we see in Daniel 7, the Ancient of Days, the Father, and we see his form. We see Jesus uh, in Revelation 1 in his glorious, glorified body. But here's one of the only glimpses of the Holy Spirit, the very person of the Holy Spirit. And it's just so amazing to realize that the Holy Spirit is not just, though he's likened in the scriptures to water and oil and, and, and so on, he actually is a person. Yes. He's the person of love. Yes. Did, when you had that vision, you hadn't read this scripture before then or ha hadn't really noticed this scripture before then, but you had that vision of no. this this fiery one that had the form of a man and then yep. you read the scripture so it wasn't something that Correct. you were imagining because you had read the scripture no it was the other way in fact it was several years later i had that that encounter was in toronto but it wasn't until i got to raleigh and it was probably two years in to our time in raleigh that i that the lord opened my eyes to that scripture you so, see, you seem like the kind of man who really wants to go after the truth. What is it? What oh, did I see? Lord, show me. God, show me. And that's yeah. and that's what he did. Yeah. Yeah. He it, loves us being inquisitive. <laughs> Donna, I've come to realize he, he's not impersonal. He, he's not abstract. You know, the fire that Jesus baptizes us with is it, not an abstract fire that John was talking about when he said oh, that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. No, no, no. It is none other than the very glorious, fiery person of love himself, you know, whose very presence comes on the inside of us when we're born again, which is why I felt like I was so on fire. And yet when we're baptized with the Holy Spirit, he comes on us and clothes us with his power and his fire. And, you know, when I believe he actually wants to come among us as whole churches, just get baptized in his presence. And I think at that point, when enough people in a whole church get so hungry for the Holy Spirit that he comes and dwells among them, that 
anything's possible at that point. I mean, we talk about an exciting life. At that point, I think a whole city can be transformed by a people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit like that. Yes. My goodness. Duncan, thank you so much for being with us today. I would love to My pleasure. I would love for you to pray for the listeners before we go that 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 glory, that that fire, that they would encounter that in their own lives. Yes. Heavenly Father, I thank you with all of my heart, not only for the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ that I started with in my opening prayer for everybody, but Lord, I thank you with all my heart for the gift through your Son of the very person of love himself, the Holy Spirit, your beloved Spirit, the Spirit of the Father who's the Spirit of the Son. And I'm asking you right now, according to your eternal word in John 3:16, where you promised through John the Baptist that Jesus would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I'm asking you that right now, Father, you would baptize every listener, every hungry, thirsty person that's been longing for you, just like you did with me and just like you've done for many countless of thousands of people across the ages since Pentecost. Would you baptize them with the Holy Spirit and fire? And may they begin a life of extraordinary miracles as they represent Jesus in this world. I ask you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 And now here's Sid Roth to tell you how you can get this powerful resource package by Duncan Smith. Sid? Duncan says every believer is created by God to live an empowered, supernatural life. And this means you. Don't miss Duncan's brand new book, Consumed with Holy Fire and his brand new and exclusive three CD teaching series, A New Paradigm for Miracles, all for an investment of only 35 U.S. dollars. Expect, I mean really have your expectancy up as you read this landmark book and learn of this new paradigm for miracles. It's a life changer. Your heart will become ignited by holy fire. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org, S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9729. Once again, that's offer number 9729. 